I've spent the last 12 years trying to find the ultimate model to run a chiropractic business, and I think I discovered it. The Clinic Gym Hybrid Model, where you integrate fitness with the great care that chiropractic offices offer. Now, I perfected that model, and I sold that business last year. Now I've gone full-time into discovering how to help others build the same model in their practice, and I have the goal of 100 hybrid clinics starting up in the next year. So follow along as we interview the greatest guests, thought leaders in our space here, and discover the ways to perfect this model so that you can run an amazing business that also contributes to your time off, increased pay, and increased fulfillment by doing the care that you truly believe in. I'm Dr. Josh Satterley, and this is Clinic Gym Radio. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I am your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and it's my pleasure today to be joined by Jim Adams. Jim, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Josh. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Well, the story is you had me on your podcast, and I was like, man, this dude's good. I want him on my podcast because you, you host a pretty kick-ass uh, podcast yourself called The Masters in Business in Business, uh, sorry, in Fitness Business. Is that right? Yeah, Masters in Fitness Business Podcast, yeah. Yeah, which uh, I, I would love to talk about because I feel like in the fitness industry, there's a lot of people who are operating gyms that don't even yet have their associates in fitness business. So That's the a fact story. that you've mastered it. Mm -hmm. And I have a feeling that that degree is issued by the School of Hard Knocks. Absolutely. <laughs> Not a university Absolutely. level. Yeah. Like Tim, like Tim Ferriss said, it's a real world master's degree. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you, you, uh, you those of you listening can't see, but Jim's got a pretty kick-ass beard and I'm sure it covers up a lot of scars where you took it on the chin, huh? Along the <laughs> kicked, way. Kicked in the face, kicked in the teeth, as you said. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, good. You've got a face for a podcast, so we'll just do the audio here. <laughs> uh, but luckily, so do I. I don't want yeah. to bust the costume. <laughs> Now, Jim, can you give everybody a little idea of like um, where you are? And besides the podcast, you actually operate a gym day to day. So uh, where do those things exist? So my uh, gym is Catalyst Strength and Functional Nutrition. It's in St. Louis, Missouri. It's uh, about 3,000 square feet. We uh, focus specifically on small group personal training and large group personal training. And that's all we do. It's not a regular gym. It's a training studio. We've been operating about four years. Uh, I have a staff of seven. And uh, yeah, we're, we're cranking every day. That's what I do every day, day in and day out. And then I do the podcast as a passion project mm -hmm. to help other gym owners out there who may be struggling with the same issues that um, I was struggling with as I got my real world masters in the fitness business by, like you said, being kicked in the teeth by some costly uh, mistakes that could have cost me my business and wanted to help people uh, not make those same mistakes and have a successful fitness business. Awesome. I, um, what I want to cover with you today, like, uh, so most of the people listening here are uh, chiropractors and PTs, physical therapists, not personal trainers, sorry, <laughs> physical therapists mm -hmm. that are probably on the front end of opening up a, a gym attached to a clinic. And since you are doing the late stage operation, uh, the good news is that you have wisdom, right? You can look back and go, I should have, would have, could have done this. Um, and a lot of my people are moving forward here uh, from, from zero. So what I'd like to do is first go over the first, the, the three things that, that we <laughs> probably always hear from our clients of what they think they need. And then we'll go over the three things they actually need to start a gym. All right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Okay. All right. So we'll do the front end. I know you've got wisdom on the, the tail end of stuff like, you know, I'm sure you talk with your clients about recurring revenue and retention and those things because 
long-term, those are great strategies. Mm -hmm. But let's just talk about up and, up and going and we'll go from there. Sound good? Yeah, it sounds perfect. Awesome. First things first, a lot of people think they need a whole lot of space. <laughs> and I have three other things, but let's just talk about the space issue. If you could go back, well, what do you think most people think they need as far as space? They usually think they need anywhere between three and 6,000. And I even had, I spoke to one owner who opened his first space at 20,000 square feet. And I'm sorry, is, there must be a glitch in the audio here. It sounded like 20,000 square feet. 20,000 square feet. And right off you, the bat? Right off the bat. Oh, yeah. You and must it have went, a trust fund. No, no, no. It went under. <laughs> because he didn't have the business. He didn't have the business to support a space like that. And you don't, you, you don't need that much space. One of the owners I talked to on the show, um, Billy Holfacker out in New York, he started with less than a thousand. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good starting point because you need clients. First of all, you need business. Uh, you need right. revenue uh, to make that sucker go uh, without that. And by the you way, you need more clients or you need revenue. You need clients bringing more revenue than what it costs to operate. Like absolutely at 20,000 square feet, just the sheer, um, the cost of just the payment on your floor coverings would be more than what you're going to make off your clients in the first six months. I'm sure. Absolutely. Even if you're getting that for less than $10 a square feet, 20,000, uh, 20,000 square feet is a big nut to crack every month. Yeah. But what Billy Hofacker said, and I think it's so true, is that you should grow at the rate of cash, meaning mm -hmm. you should always be in the black, always operate in the black. So start small with a small space and perfect your craft, build up your clientele, build your brand, your reputation, and then grow from there. So starting small is the key. If I were to say real world, a thousand to 1500 square feet. What that typically means for those of you listening is if you go to most strip malls in the, you know, most retail centers in the nation, each slot or stall or however they call it is usually between a thousand and 1500 square feet, depending on how they made up. So if you're looking, if you're in your hometown and you're looking at like the Albertsons or supermarket Kroger, wherever you are, if you look far to the right or left, there's usually smaller businesses like, oh, we sell, you know, um, the UPS store or uh, there's one here that's like a water company, blah, blah, blah. Those are usually 1,500 square foot spaces. Now, in older centers that they're maybe trying to work with people, they'll cut those in half sometimes. So, you see like a 750 or 800 square foot space. But really, at least where I see, they're always 1,000 to 1,500. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think the, a good way to go with that is if you can, if you're already operating a chiropractic clinic mm -hmm. and say a bay comes open next to you, you can probably negotiate with the landlord to annex that space. And, and maybe since you've already got an history and a rapport with that landlord, he may be willing to cut your deal on the rent so he can save you some costs that way as well. Right. Or not negotiate a whole new lease, just an additional lease for that space following the same terms that you're already agreed to, which is, which is a good way. Right. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, so space start out around a thousand square feet, right? 900, yes. uh, you can make cash flow very well. And by the way, 1500 will cash flow very well as well. Mm -hmm. And, um, there's actually kind of some sweet spots by the, for those of you listening. Uh, I talked about it with Rick. I'm sure you know, Rick Mayo. Yep. You know, there's kind of these weird things where 2,500 square feet doesn't make as much per square foot as 3000, but, We'll get to those details later if we need to. Yeah. But going and, back to this, what are the top three things you think most people when they're starting their gym, 
well, tell well, you that they need or you hear from trainers or you or, or these are red lights right like you ever compete in olympic weightlifting where you get the three lights these uh-huh. are the red lights going neither one <laughs> you got to clean some stuff up here brother because it ain't gonna work exactly you're going the wrong direction and yeah. but i want to backtrack a little bit when you talk about rick mayo rick mayo is the one who championed that thousand fifteen hundred square foot kind of owner operator model so you got one owner operator and one part-time staff and there's a couple of brothers the warshack brothers who own four clubs out in palm spring and that is the model that they run they it's nice. a plug and play they open they've opened four locations all around 1500 square feet with one owner operator one part-time and they're all making money almost immediately because it doesn't take a lot to make that uh, go from a rent standpoint from an overhead standpoint um, and then you can get an owner operator in there and give them a percentage and a, a progressive percentage over the time and that way he's got they've got some skin in the game and they're yeah. invested in making that location work so and Rick Mayo championed that model and the Warshacks have really perfected it so to your point starting small but going back to where you said the red lights and three things that I see that most trainers coming from a trainer's pr- perspective uh, they, they look at the business through a trainer's lens, meaning they want the most kick-ass gym. They want the most kick-ass pieces of equipment. They'll go out and spend, you know, thousands of dollars literally on all this equipment. They'll go way over on their build-out budget. And they'll get all of these shiny floors and fixtures and and uh, paint and all of that. They'll spend literally $1,500 decals on the wall. <laughs> exactly. That. Yeah. And they'll spend all of this money on the build out and, and then they'll go out and they'll, they'll want their name on everything. So they'll go out and get hats and t-shirts and all of this stuff. And, and then they sit in the gym and literally watch the paint dry on the walls because they, they've spent it all on the wrong things. So they have this so the, great the gym. Three- the three red lights before we go to solutions here, the three red lights are you don't need the best equipment. Nope. And as a general rule, what I see, I would love your opinion. You probably need about 50% of whatever is on your, your list of what you need to start up. I would go like, even less than that. I'd say 25. <laughs> I mean, you can, you could probably equip a profitable 1500 square foot gym for under $10,000. Oh yeah. And that's including your hard structure, like a squat rack or, Something like that, right? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. So, so basically, uh, dumbbells slash kettlebells, bands, and maybe some medicine balls. And some TRX, some suspension yeah. trainers. That's all you yeah. need. Yeah. Yeah. And at 1,500 square feet, you don't need 20 TRXs. You ain't going to be working with 20 people at a time. Nope. Make people partner up. <laughs> yeah. You may get six to 10 in that space at any right. given time. Yep. And so that's all you need. So you might, you can probably get away with three TRXs and run them through stations. Yeah. So, I um, mean, you can, you can get away with bare minimum. What you need is um, a personality and creativity and good training. Yeah. By the way, a perfect example of minimal equipment for the exercise piece, not the cardio piece, but you know, Orange Theory you got to give it to them. They're, they're kicking butt right now. They got tons of gyms, tons of members and everything. And if you look at the actual quote unquote strength equipment, they include, it's like a five pound kettle or dumbbell, a 10, a 15, a 20, and a 25. I think that's it. And only one of each. They're not even putting a pair of dumbbells at each station. And then they have a, a TRX or some sort of suspension trainer right there. That's it. And, yeah. and they're running, they probably do more sessions of training in a day than 
you know, you or I will do in a week, you know, like they're running hundreds of people through in a day sometimes. Yeah, Chris, I, and I don't know how in touch you are with the fitness industry, but Orange Theory just reached one million members. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, that's one, unbelievable. That's unbelievable. And you think about, and they're a perfect example. You want to see an efficient use of space, at least the one by me. There is, there is no open space. And in fact, like I've seen it operational and I think you better hope the fire, fire marshal doesn't come by right now because it's wall to wall. I mean, the cardio area where there's the treadmills and the rowers mm-hmm. is, I mean, there's maybe enough space to walk down the aisle of like a, it looks like a, um, an airplane walkway, you know, between like the aisle and an aircraft. It's tight. Right. But people are loving it. They're going. They're jamming. Their music's playing. And like you said, you need a personality. They hire trainers that are up, upbeat and bubbly, and you know everybody's there to have a good time. Yeah, Man, bring a million, it. A million members, huh? A million members, and I think their average um, membership cost is like a hundred bucks. So what's a hundred bucks times a million? I'm not good at math, but I think it's somewhere close to a hundred million. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I that's monthly. So. Right. I'm again, I'm struggling here, but I think that they're making money. I think yes. they're cash flowing so far. Yeah, absolutely. And like you <laughs> said, like, and they're not operating all day. They operate in the morning. They maybe a couple of lunchtime and then, uh, maybe a couple yeah. of, uh, afternoon and, or evening. And they're in your local retail center. They're not in, they're not in 20,000 square feet. No. The ones I've seen are all, I, I don't think I've personally been in one over 3000 square feet. I would yeah. guess I'm right around the 1500 to 2500 range. Yeah, Absolutely. So again, going to the point of you don't need a lot of equipment and you don't need a lot of space to make Mm -hmm. a Mm -hmm. lot of money. Awesome. All right. So you don't need a lot of equipment. You don't need a lot of space. The second thing you were saying apparel. Well, build out. You don't need a fancy build out either. Okay. So let's, let's talk about what that means for most people. You get a, in the world of real estate, you get what's called a gray shell, which is typically like when you look at it, it's a big wide open box with a white wall on the right and a white wall on the left. Uh-huh. sometimes they're not even, there's not even drywall, meaning the, the studs are still exposed. And they do that. So if you have to install electrical or network cables or things like that, so they're actually doing you a favor. And then a big concrete slab and nothing, right? Right. And sometimes people freak out because there's like a toilet sitting in the back with no walls around. It. It's like, yeah, obviously you're gonna put walls around it, but how big your bathroom is going to be is up to you. Yeah. So that's called a gray shell. So everything from there you have to build out. So every wall you want, if you're like, oh, we're going to have a private room for body fat assessments and then we're going to have a big uh, locker room and what drives me nuts. I'm going to put in showers. No, you're not. <laughs> showers are a money loser until you're at a full scale, like high end, like a lifetime fitness, but just anything with an attachment to water is going to lose money. So all the build out costs money. So uh, any suggestions there for cost savings, Jim? Yeah. Like you said, what, areas are going to be super expensive to install. And like you said, they don't bring you any more business. So I, I agree with you. Um, that was one of the mistakes we made when we built out. I, so put a sho- I put a shower in and it cost me almost $10,000 just yeah. to put the shower in. I put Nothing in three. Else. People don't realize the cost until you see it line itemed out, but just see it. So in our area, Every time you attach to water or sewer, so each sink, each drinking fountain, each shower, each toilet, each urinal, there is a cost, an attachment cost of $700. Well, when I add up, I had 5,000 square foot gym, two showers, and either two toilets or a toilet and urinal in each thing. Start adding that up. That's four showers plus the four. 
So $700 times eight, is that $5,600 just to attach to pour water into the sewer. <laughs> like that's yeah. all I'm asking for. Oh, and then, sorry, each bathroom had two sinks. So now you got another four. So what is that? Another, whatever. So let's say 10 grand worth mm -hmm. of attachment costs. Attachment. Right. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So I agree with you. Definitely forego the shower. And the other thing is I think you just need minimum space. You need maybe a, you need a, maybe a bathroom. A bathroom would be nice, especially if they already have one in there and not even a small office. You can do everything out in the open at a desk. And then I would keep your build out costs at a, at a minimum four walls and maybe something to hang the TRXs by. And then I would also try to negotiate with the landlord to get for have them build out um, to foot some of the build out costs and mm -hmm. roll it into your lease. So that way you don't have any upfront, you don't have to lay out any cash upfront. So you can keep your working capital and keep that as a runway and then you just roll it into the lease. And so that yeah. saves you money coming now, in. Now, some people will be like, oh, the, the, why would I want to roll it in? That's like, you know, delaying the costs are going to add percentage to it. Let, let's go back. You had let's say you just add in a couple walls to build around a bathroom and another couple walls to create like a waiting area front desk space. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking private offices. I'm just talking a private bathroom and some half walls to block out the noise from, for the front desk. Mm -hmm. That right there could equal 30, $40,000. Easily. Easily. Yeah. And that's mm -hmm. not including, Oh, well we had to put in ducting for HVAC and we had to do some stringing of lights and you know, blah, blah, blah. So you're going to get up to fifty to a hundred thousand dollars, and you're going to look into that space, going, "I have no idea what we just spent the money on, but Jesus, it was a lot." Right. I have a I have a client that had to reroute some fire sprinklers, and it was like, it's like you might want to go back and redraw those plans, homeboy. Like that's expensive stuff for nothing, you know? Right. So yeah, put that. I would agree. Take that. Let's say it's fifty at the minimum, fifty thousand dollars. I personally have never seen a build out less than that. On the front end, if you have that ability. I think you're 100% right. Invest in other stuff, which we'll get to what to invest it in, but mm -hmm. don't invest it in build out or equipment or freaking logo to apparel, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. Or yeah. wall decals. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I and I think that's something to consider when you're looking at spaces too. I mean, you got to look at the, uh, the cost per square foot for sure, because that's going to be your monthly rent uh, and that's going to be your monthly nut to crack. Yeah. But then also see how willing the landlord is to pay for those tenant improvements mm -hmm. and rolling into the lease. And then what it's going to cost, look at the, uh, have somebody come in, pay an extra couple of hundred dollars, some, have somebody come in and look to see what it's going to cost if you're going to have HVAC issues, plumbing issues, things like that, that are going to be hidden costs that can take your build out fees and really drive them through the roof. Yeah. So it may uh, pay you to pay uh, in the long run to pay somebody a couple hundred dollars to come in and take a look at that. The, the little suggestion here two or two or three build out items though, and I'm living at your opinion because you're a totally different climate. I think personally, it, the number one thing you're looking for in a space is usually ceiling height. Because if you're in eight foot ceilings, like I'm going to tell you right now, it, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but you want some ceiling height, you know, especially if you want to get into sports performance where they're maybe throwing medicine balls or, you know, you're watching them swing a golf club or anything like that, get some ceiling height. Um, so that might be you move the, the false ceiling up or remove it. The second thing that I think is important in a gym setting is a decent, I'm not saying extravagant, but a decent real sound system. Mm -hmm. So this isn't like a wireless speaker like you buy at Costco. I'm saying like actually wires and plugs for some good speakers. And along those lines, 
The other thing is <laughs> sound insulation or some sort of management of sound above you if there's clients to your right and left. That is not something that you will benefit from. However, what you're doing is you're making happy neighbors <laughs> because when you're thumping those tunes at 8 a.m. and it's shaking the people above you or, you know, there's somebody showing up to the, you know, to the store next door and you're like, boom, 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 boom. They are going to get upset very quickly. So sometimes those are sunk costs. As we say, you never get the money back, but it might be worth it. Yeah, I agree with you. And going back to the space, that's why I think it's um, important to be patient because most people, when they open up, especially in the fitness business, they're really impatient. They want to get going now. And mm -hmm. so they want to jump on the first space they get. So I think it's really important to be patient when you're picking out the space for all of uh, the reasons that we just talked about. And then as far as the sound system, I couldn't agree with you more in the sound control, the sound buffering, because I know in our space, I've paid a little bit extra to have a guy come in and do like uh, set it up to where it sounded good acoustically yeah. so we can get the most out of it. And they actually wind up saving me some money because he said, well, I wanted to get, you know, I think it was six speakers. He said, no, you can actually get away with four here if yeah. we set them up this way. So it cost me, saved me some money in the long run of setting up those speakers. So they set that up for me. And then my landlord is in the office above me. So it paid me, you know, paid big dividends to have that sound uh, proofing put in so that I wouldn't piss off my landlord. Um, yeah. So, or piss off your neighbors. It's, it's good to be yeah. a good neighbor, like you said. So I couldn't agree with you more. The other thing in our area you need is you need to have some hardwired, I think, ceiling fans or true fans. It'll get hot and your AC out here, your AC will never keep up. Once it gets hot, it's going to stay hot. So installing some ceiling fans and tucking them up as close to the ceiling as you can or, you know, or putting fan, big like 36 inch fans in the corner or something, I think is worth it. You're out in St. Louis where you deal with the cold more than the heat, but how do you guys do that? Oh uh, no, the heat is stifling out here, the humidity, heat and humidity. So um, I couldn't agree with you more because you, you have to go back to the atmosphere in your gym. So I think lighting is super important. Mm -hmm. I think music is super important and I think airflow because there's nothing yeah. worse than because in the general fitness realm, um, women make up 50, sometimes more than 50% of your clientele. Right, yeah. So there's nothing more off-putting than a, for a woman to come into a gym that is stuffy, stinky, and musty and dirty. Yeah. So you have to keep good lighting so it looks clean you have to keep it clean and you have to get good air circulation and and good acoustics too um you have to look professional when they walk into your club and i think it goes a long way toward um creating a, a pleasant atmosphere for people that people like to work out in i mean for us when we moved in here we had the old uh fluorescent light bulbs and so the electric company here, Ameren, they have a rebate program where they came in and they put in all LED lights for us for free. That's awesome. And it saved us a lot of cost too in the long run on our utility, but it made it significantly brighter in here. And it's, it's surprising how much that changes the atmosphere. Yeah. Good points. All good points. And it's all, that's all about your customer. That's not, you know, so uh, even if you want to work out in an iron dungeon, you know, you're from the old school powerlifting days, too bad. Uh -huh. You need right. to ladies to pay your bills. Exactly. All right, so build out equipment, apparel, 
knock them down by 75%. Uncle Jim is telling you, do yourself a favor, right? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, it's Dr. Josh. I want to let you know some exciting news I just found out. I was talking to the guys over at Racket Fit and On Base U, and it turns out that both those courses are now approved for 13 hours of continuing chiropractic education. So each course is approved for its own 13 hours. So if you're looking at what the next CEU course you want to do and you need the hours for your state, check out racketfit.com, racketfit.com, or onbaseu.com, onbase, the letter U.com, short for university, all right? If you're working in the population of, of tennis or you want to kind of get into that country club crowd, doing the Racket Fit certification I think is absolutely fantastic. And if you are working in baseball, which I think is like the next frontier for a lot of the care that we provide, I think it's a fantastic group of people that are just kind of coming into the idea of assessments and performance measures and technology stats, then you definitely want to check out OnBaseU. I think these are both great courses. I've taken them. I teach them. I believe in them. So check them out, racketfit.com and onbaseu.com, and email me if you have any questions. Thanks. So let's get into the three things that people should be concerned with when they start out. They should. So number one, with the space, you're saying give it time. Be patient until you find the right space. Right. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, and be patient with that and work with the landlord. Uh, try to roll in those build-out costs so you don't have any upfront costs and you can save some of that capital mm-hmm. for your runway because you're going to need it and other expenses. Yeah. And I, so, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, if you could go back to starting Catalyst, right? Mm-hmm. You go back in time, what would be the first thing you do that you didn't do when you started? The first thing that I do, well, I wouldn't spend as much on the build out. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. I would not spend as much on the build out. I would probably would have spent probably 30% of what I spent. I spent way too much on the not build out. Not 30% less. You're saying 70% less or 30%. Yeah, 70% less than what I originally spent. A big chunk of that's just removing the wet areas, right? Well, yeah, demo and building the wet areas. And then I put in a, a washer and dryer in the basement. Um, I would have probably just gone with a towel service at first or maybe yeah. some towels and taking them home and wash them. Little things like, well, not little things. Those things add up quick. Mm-hmm. So I would have spent probably 70% less on the build out. Okay. Um, the other thing that I think that owners, if you're starting a, a fitness business that you need to focus on is have a system for your training. Have a system for training your trainers, training your staff. Have a system for what a training session should look like. Um, mm-hmm. Have a check mark, a checklist of things that you have to go through for the training system. Because most trainers, when they start out, or most people, when they start a training system, their training system is them. And then if they're right. not there, there's no training system. And the first hire that they tend to make is another trainer because, mm-hmm. okay, if I have another trainer, then I can have more clients, but then, then that trainer isn't training the way that I want them to train my clients. So, but I don't know how to train them to train that way. So you have to have a system for training so that you can scale your business. So um, you're not there. The training continues. You got a great point there. I have a lot of clients, not a lot, but on the front end that go like, you know, I have this trainer, this other person's interested in renting space and blah, blah, blah. How do you feel about that? And I think if your goal is to have fitness as part of a functional continuum of care, meaning there, this is an extension of the care we do as a chiropractor, physical therapist, 
you cannot have anybody in your facility that's going rogue. Nope. You need to make sure that everybody who trains trains your way because that's all you're selling. If, if it's known that, oh yeah, well, if you go there and you work with Jen, that's, that's great. He, you know, it's real functional, but you know, at night there's a guy named Chad and Chad's really into, you know, he's trying to get his um, Olympic weightlifting cert. And I don't know, my brother and I worked out with him, yep. got injured. You're yep. sunk. Your, your place injures people. It's over. Yep. So I know it's hard to gut it out and you probably want to grab that money. But the reason people are looking at you going, oh, I want to, can I run space from you is they know how hard it is to make this work. Of course they want to piggyback on you. <laughs> like, yeah, they, they're like, uh, they're like those fish that grab onto like the great white sharks, you know, that like, yeah, I'll clean, I'll clean your, your fin but you have to kick everybody's ass for me. <laughs> yeah. You got to handle payroll and rent and insurance. And I'm yep. just going to kind of hang on the back here. I'm yep. telling you, do not let anybody in your gym. That's not flying the flag of your brand of training. I couldn't agree with you more. I, that's why I don't, I'm not a big fan of independent contractors, independent contractors. They do what they want. They're not obligated to do anything other than pay you rent. It creates a competitive environment in your facility where you're fighting over and, clients. And by the way, we can make a, a list of people who uh, were supposed to be paid by an independent contractor for space that we're not. Absolutely. So if you want trainers in your facility and you want, um, a training system where everybody is trained, all your clients are receiving the same quality of training. You need employees. It can be a, a little bit of a pain in the ass, but in the long run, it, it creates a collaborative environment. Everybody's training the same way. Like you said, everybody's flying the same flag and rowing in the same direction. Yeah. I could, I agree with you 100%, which is the reason that I went with employees. It was a little bit of a pain in the ass to, t to tell you the truth. It still to is, I'm sure. And like, all of that stuff, but, the benefits far outweigh any pain in the ass stuff I had to deal with up front. Yeah. I mean, it's the difference between uh, living with your family and having roommates. Like when, when it push comes to shove, like your family will go to bat for you, your roommates, maybe they're good friends, but sometimes they're just like, ah, I'm out of here. Right. You don't want that. So anyways. Uh, okay. So have a scalable training system and, so some of my favorites, I would love to get your input. Some of my favorites are the Mike Boyle CFSC, the Certified Functional Strength Coach. Mm -hmm. I think that teaches you how to build a program by, there's what, 10 aspects of it. The vertical pull, vertical push, horizontal pull, horizontal yeah. push. Knee dominant, hip dominant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's kind of a, you know, it's like, it's like Legos. Like Legos are going to build a pretty cool little car. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be the fast little car, but it'll be pretty cool and it'll make sense to everybody. And you can tweak and polish after that. But the other thing I was, I was just talking to somebody about this is when you have a training sit or you don't really have a training system, you get this creep of the number of exercises that you're programming. Mm -hmm. And the problem with that is if you have 300 exercises, no one can be an expert in coaching them, right? right? Nobody in your gym. And so it's like, oh, well, Jim helps us out with the Olympic weightlifting and Josh does the, you know, gymnastics moves. And, oh, Carla's really good with like the, the warmups and, and plyometrics. And it's like, well, I want everything. Like if I'm paying you money, I want the best, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, so having that system allows you to break it up and go, okay, we're going to understand or study these. We're going to understand and study those. Well, and not only that, I mean, the system allows you to scale because if it's just one man or one person show, mm -hmm. they're basically paying for your time mm -hmm. and you have a, a finite amount of time. So mm -hmm. if you want to grow that business, you're going to be capped out at whatever time that 
you have, not to mention it's going to create some burnout because you're going to have some long days. You're going to be working some 12, 16 hour days if you want to maximize your profits. And not all your clients are going to be getting a hundred percent. I guarantee you. And I speak from experience. If you have a client at 5 a.m. and you work straight through, then you got another client at 6 p.m., that 6 p.m. client is not getting your best. So that's why you need that scalable system to maximize your business so you can grow your business so you're not the bottleneck. So it doesn't come down to the amount of time that you have available. And then uh, along with that, I think it's important to – there was another point I was going to make and I just lost it, but, um, well, I'll, I'll jump in and give you a second here okay. to think because one of the things that I think there's like a mindset shift that is healthy to have is how quickly. So let's say you're starting the gym cause you go, I'm a damn good trainer. And this is, mm-hmm. this is what I was in. I was like, I understand exercise. Well, I've been in a long time trained at the collegiate level at the private level team level, uh, high school team level, all those. And I was like, I'm pretty confident in my abilities. I started out with the idea of like, how can I make myself look good? totally the wrong idea. What I should have been involved in is how quickly can I get my employees to be a better trainer than I can, than I am, you know? And when I sh- made that mindset shift, all of a sudden I took two people out of the, uh, like a big box gym locally. And those two within a year and a half were absolutely incredible trainers, way better than I was. One of them works on the PJ Torque with quite a few golfers now. And the other one uh, put together some of the most amazing training programs and and I think as soon as that mindset shift happens, the, the thing that gave me is when they were better than me, gave me a ton of freedom. Now yeah. I can leave and you know what? Having me there is even less required because they'll put together a better training program anyways. Yeah, I, and I agree with you more. I think I, so much the mentoring is so, so important to create a trainer that's better than you. That's what I tell my staff all the time. My goal is to have you become a better trainer than I am. And the flip side of that is a lot of um, young trainers, when they start out, when they make their first hire, they want to kind of hold that secret sauce close to the, close to the vest, right? Because they, they're afraid that the trainer is going to leave and take the clients with them and take their business. But when you mentor and you help empower and help another trainer grow, then they return that favor with loyalty to you. Even if they happen to leave, because you can't help it when people leave, they're going to leave, you're going to lose people. And when they leave, but they're still loyal to you, they may even still refer clients to you because you help them become what the rock star that they wanted to be. And they're forever grateful for that. And so they return it with loyalty. So it's just the opposite of what a lot of trainers fear. Their fear is that they're going to leave and they're going to take all my business. They're going to take all the clients. But if you help them grow and prosper and develop, then they stick with you longer and they have a lot more loyalty and they're loyal to you even when they leave. Yeah. I, what's the, there's an old saying, I, th- I heard it first from Tom Plummer, but he said, the only thing worse than, ha- than training people and having them leave is not training them and having them stay. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. That's a worse situation, yeah. yeah. I mean, people move on and stuff, but a lot of times people move on and then realize, man, Jim really did a lot for me, mentor me, it was awesome, and they come back a year later. Yeah. Because they realize how awesome it was, you know? Yeah, I, I went to a seminar um, it was called, were they dead when you hired them or did you kill them? 
Wow. Meaning, were, was your hiring process flawed and you get hired the wrong person off the bat? Or yeah. did you not give them what they needed to succeed? Did you hire the right person yeah. and then not give them what they needed to succeed? So nice. I think that's, a, that's an important point. I like that. Yeah. All right. So we covered what you do need, which is you do need a scalable training system, aka programming. And by the way, I always love when you see like the young 20, I'll, I'll say it's more male than female. I see this in the young 26 year old trainer that puts together workouts. It's like, okay, this would crush a healthy 26 year old who's on testosterone supplements. <laughs> and your clientele is mostly made up of 42 to 48 year old females with a few mm-hmm. pounds to lose. Mm-hmm. What in God's name are you doing here with three sets of 15 toes to bar and muscle? Like, are you out of your mind? Like, right. What are you doing here? Yeah. So make sure your programming matches your, the body of clients you have, or at least can be scaled to them, you know? Yeah. yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think just having a knowledge base of training that you can apply that instead of just going with everything is, all I have is a nail, hammer and everything is a nail. Yeah. You know, if this is good for me, it's good for you, even though you're, you know, 65 and had a hip replacement, let's get you on the squat rack. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So you need a scalable training system. You need minimal equipment, minimal build out. What are the other things you need? You need a business plan. And okay. I'm sure people will tell you this all the time, but one of the things that is, I see a lot of, mm-hmm. and it's so frustrating is a business that's making money. It has clients, it's bringing in revenue and, but it's why it's losing money out the back door because expenses are out of control. Mm-hmm. So you may be, you may be bringing in $35,000 a month, but your expenses mm-hmm. are $40,000 a month. Mm-hmm. And don't think it can't happen because it happens all the time. That's why businesses go out of business. Who's an orthopedic surgeon. He and his two partners in California made, I, I always forget the numbers, but I want to say $9 million in a year. And they each paid $135,000 to keep the place operational that year. Yeah. Let that sink in. They made nine, they brought in $9 million worth of revenue and they each paid in another 130 grand to just to keep it afloat. Right. And I'm like, Jesus, you know, yeah. but, but why they just built too many things, too many assistant to the assistant. So their payroll was out the wazoo. They had a scheduling nurse, a charge nurse, a surgical nurse, an assistant, a medical assistant, an executive assistant. And uh, they just got stupid. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I see that a lot. Expenses can just skyrocket and there's nothing more frustrating than working your ass off and seeing that you got $9 million worth of revenue coming in and you don't take anything home. Yeah. You got to go home to your wife and your kids and you got to hype it up. Well, we got this next big thing coming or, you know, next month we're going to turn it around or, you know, once we get this program going, it's mm-hmm. going to turn around. Nothing is going to turn it around until you get your expenses under control. There's a great book called Profit First uh, that I read and it uh, is really good at coming up with percentages for line item things. Yeah. So that way you can grow with those percentages because you need to have percentages. You need to have some restraints so that your expenses don't outgrow your income and, and you're working your ass off for absolutely nothing. 
So, um, yeah, I think it's good to have some kind of business plan. And if you don't, if you're not good at it, then hire somebody, hire a bookkeeper. Um, mm-hmm. if, if I'm going to suggest anybody for your first hire, don't hire another trainer, hire somebody, um, like for admin work or for bookkeeping mm-hmm. because most trainers, and as you said, most chiros suck at that, you know, because we like treating people. We like working with the body. We don't like working with numbers and right. Books. So hire somebody to do it and let and listen to them when they say, okay, you can only spend, here's your budget for this, here's your budget for that. Stick to that because in the long run, that's going to allow you to take more money home while you're busting your ass 12 hours a day. Yep. Yeah, I I, uh, I agree. And, and one of the things that, you know, reducing expenses, I love that book, Profit First, by the way. I've read it. What is it? Michael, Mike, Michael Vicks or Michael, yeah, Michael Mac, Wicks or something. Mac-Low-Witz or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Just search Profit First and it'll come up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's good because on every once in a while on social media, you see people saying, oh, that, that's stupid. It won't work. Blah, blah, blah. And then it comes down. Did you try it? Well, no, it's just stupid. It's like, all right, good. Keep, keep digging your heels in, dude. <laughs> So anyways, that's usually the sign of something good. So reduce your expenses and then have a a scalable training system, reduce your expenses by having a business plan. Be very clear at what you're going after, right? Absolutely. Third thing. So number one was scalable training system. Number two is business plan. And I'm sure you could actually flip those around. Absolutely. What's number three? What does every business need? Well, I think you're man after my own heart here. If you don't have customers, you don't really have a business. Absolutely. So, so it needs customers. So you need marketing. So, and, and that's a lot to impact. So a lot of trainers, when they come into the fitness space or fitness or become fitness business owners, they view marketing. They see, okay, social media, I'm going to boost a post or I'm going to post a lot. When you're running a business, it has to be, uh, more detailed than that. Um, yeah. You have to have um, a marketing budget. You have to have marketing tactics, and you also have to have an overall marketing strategy. And then you also have to have a system for when those leads that your marketing uh, pays for, when they when you, they contact you, you got to have a system for taking right. care of them, getting them in for trial offers, converting them to members once they become members. A retention program so you're not losing uh, more members than you're gaining all yeah. of those things and all of that is part of marketing external and internal marketing and a lot of people think well I don't have a lot of money why am I spending three thousand dollars a month on marketing so let's just say you spend three thousand dollars a month on and, and I'm just going to use my numbers so if I spend $3,000 a month on marketing, our goal is to get between eight and 10 new clients a month. So mm-hmm. say we get eight, let's say, uh, make it easy. We get 10 new clients. Our average price point per membership is about 280, right? So if we get two, um, and that's for an annual contract. So mm-hmm. if we get 10 new clients at an average price point of 280, that's $2,800 a month. Okay. All right, so you say, well, you're losing $200 a month. Well, now times that by 12, and then that's how much that $3,000 made me that year. So you have to look at it in terms of long-term. 
And so when you're looking at spending $3,000 on, on marketing, there's nothing more important to spend money on for your business than marketing to get warm, paying bodies through the door. That is what you want. So just to do the math, if, if you say 280 times 12 months, 280 months times 12 months, give us 3360 $3,360, right? Mm -hmm. We go back and you said that $3,000 a month to bring in 10 people. That means I want to bring in 300. I'm going to pay $300 to get them roughly, right? Maybe a little more than that. But basically if, if they're worth 3360 and I subtract out that 300, I end up with $3,060. So anybody listening, would you pay if Jim said, hey, come to my magical gumball machine, and if you pay $300, I will give you a $3,000 gumball, right, that you could sell anywhere, would you do it? And everybody would be like, yeah. And by the way, I don't know about your average, but, you know, people stick around gyms for multiple years. So that's just the first year. Correct. So how much are you willing to lose on that front end? And there's a rule in marketing. The, the business that's willing to lose the most on the front end will typically dominate the market. So if you look at McDonald's, McDonald's doesn't need to advertise. Everybody knows McDonald's. They're always in good locations. Their signage is clear. People know what they offer. It's pretty clear at this point. But if you watch TV, who advertised more Amity? McDonald's. So they're spending a ton of money and they know they're going to lose. I can't remember what it, it costs like $3.20 to, no, $2.60 to bring somebody into a McDonald's when you bring in all the ads and all the radio and all the buses and all the you know, TV time and all that, $2.60 to get them in. And when they sell you an average of $3 for a hamburger, you're like, well, you, that's dumb. You only made 40 cents. No, 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 no. Like I only made 40 cents the first time, but for the rest of that year, you know, I make money on you. And by right. the way, if I upgrade you to fries, uh, all that fries, pure money coming in. I didn't spend any money to get you fries or a drink or whatever your kid wants or happy meals, you know? Yeah. And, th and that's a great point because once you get those clients in there, then you can sell them supplements. Um, I think Rick Mayo or may have been um, uh, another guy said most clients in a gym spend an average of $50 a month on supplements. So say nice. you got, so say you got a hundred clients mm -hmm. and if, say they buy their $50 worth of um, supplements from you a month, that's $500 a month, extra revenue. Say now that you have enough clients that you want to sell them your fancy branded apparel with your name on it, you know, well, then that's money. So you can continue to upsell. So not only are you making just money on the membership, you're making money on all the upsell features that are available yeah. to you. That's yeah. your internal marketing. If you want to run a special, if you want a, uh, a supplement special, an apparel special, whatever special you want to run that mm -hmm. can... Uh, generate more revenue from your existing clients. And then you also have to spend some money on retention. So you're not losing those clients out the back door, but marketing is the most important thing. And my good buddy of mine, Tim Lyons runs profit marketing solutions and he's really good. He runs a, a gym uh, down in Arizona called pulse fitness and uses his marketing strategies to run that gym. It's an 8,000 square foot gym. So it's a bigger space, but he clears, um, seven figures in that gym. He grosses seven figures. He doesn't clear, but he grosses seven figures in that gym every year based on his marketing. So he knows what he's doing. And he's big on a lot of trainers when they first start out, they have tactics. They have a one thing. Well, I'm going to run a, you know, a summer slim down um, special. 
And that's it. That's the extent of their marketing plan. That's just one tactic. You have to have several tactics for the entire year and they have to be part of a bigger strategy where one feeds into another. And then that's when you have a marketing plan that really makes your business grow. Provided you have the systems in place to take care of those leads, to train those clients, to retain those clients. You have to have all of those systems in place so that you're not wasting money on your marketing. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. Uh, so when you're starting out, back when we said like, don't spend the money on equipment, don't spend the money on build out. The goal of that is your first six months, like if you could go back and, and all things being equal, your first six months, let's say you had a 1500 square foot gym. I don't know how big you opened, but let's just say you had a 1500 square foot gym. Mm-hmm. Your first six months, if you were to redo it today, how much would you spend each month on marketing of your hard costs? I'm not talking about maintaining social media posts. I'm not talking about sending out emails. I'm saying like spending money on things that cost money on marketing, flyers, Facebook ads. Um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think here what else it could be, but you know, Google AdWords, all those things that actually cost money. What would you spend? Knowing what I know now, like going back, my mindset then was $3,000 a month is a lot of money on marketing. I'm not going to get that money back. Yeah, it's a lot now, I'm sure, right? Yeah, like if right. I had 3000 bucks in front of you, you'd be like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, right. have that. <laughs> but now if I can go back and do it, I'd spend $3,000. I'd spend that 3000 I spend whatever um, I spent building that shower on marketing. <laughs> because here's the deal. It's like, here's another thing. And, and I'm going to use golf as a, an analogy because I know that you're a golf guy and you used to work with golfers when you had your clinic. So, you can market to golfers and say, um, you know, I have this machine that analyzes the speed of your swing and where you're yeah. rotating from and, and getting, you know, um, you know, a maximum potential out of your thoracic uh, rotation. So it improves club head speed and all that. And you can throw all this technical jargon at them trying to sell them this machine or whatever. What's more effective that or saying I can help you, play more golf with less pain and hit the ball farther. Boom. That's all you got to say. They don't care what equipment you have. They don't care what certifications you have. All they care about is what can you do for them? Can you help me achieve my goal? My goal is I want to get out and I want to play golf. I want to be pain-free when I do it. And I want to be able to crush the ball, period. And if you can help me do that, I don't care what equipment you have. So going back to our original point, you don't have to spend all that money on, on equipment. Spend it on marketing. And then once you get the clients, you start making money, then you can start building Which, some equipment. By the way, like that message, let's say you have that message that you want golfers to hear. One of the reasons you spend three grand on marketing is that message probably only costs you about $300 to, to get it out there. You just mm-hmm. have to do it 10 times in a row for them to actually decide to move on it. So. It's not expensive, it, but you have to just do it so often. And once you have those systems set up, so if you have like, you know, if you spend your first year like doing, hey, what, what promotion do we do? Or we do a, a six-week challenge every two months or whatever. Build, and if you do it right, just like the training system and you build the systems, so there are a lot of, you know, email that you have to write and, you know, flyers you have to print and all that. Well, once you have those systems, the next year you do it and it takes – literally 20% as much time. And now you're making money. The third year you do it, 
it's going to take you, you know, it's going to take your employer. You're not even going to be the one doing it way mm-hmm. less time and bang, it starts rolling. But that's the great thing about building those systems and building some automation is because when you do that, man, you get into some powerful second and third years. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to your point, marketing takes consistency. That's why I think it's important to have those tactics that you run as part of a bigger strategy so you can consistently hit your target audience with your message. And so they hear it over and over again, because it takes seven to 10 times before they take an action. And so yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. People and then, say like seven you, to 10. I, I think now anymore, it's probably around the 15 mark, you know, just with how much I get inundated with stuff. And I'm like, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. People are saturated and you have to rise above the noise. So I, yeah, I agree with you. And then, and then if you can automate those and then you can tweak them and improve them and get better every year and your numbers, because a lot of times people are like skeptical, but then once you get one, then you start getting more referrals in, oh, this place is great. You should uh, come here. And then you get mm-hmm. the referral business in addition mm-hmm. to whatever your market, market spend and market uh, return on investment is. Yeah, well, we are up against the clock here, Jim, and I I think this is great. So the number one thing you need in the gym space to start out is freaking customers. Absolutely. Not the equipment and beautiful place and all that. You need customers, and after Mm -hmm. that, you can figure everything else out. I'll tell you what, like looking back, I would agree with you. I would would open up, and we thought, oh, it's so expensive to do this, and we have, I would say – just shred the cost of startup. We bought a huge rig that was too big. We brought all these, you know, bumper plates, too many of them that just sat there, too many pairs of dumbbells. I would shred all that stuff. And I would say 3000 bucks a month for the first six months. And, and, and then it's like, Oh wow. Now you got, you got some motion, you know, you got some, some energy. I think that's absolutely the best way to do it. So yeah. Jim, I appreciate it. Throw out the podcast yeah. one more time for folks that want to listen. Yeah, and real quick, um, you know, to your point, there's a guy in uh, Tulsa. He started with no cost. He started doing boot camps. He would mm-hmm. do them year round, and he built up. He had like two or three hundred people in his boot camp, paying him a monthly wow. fee. And then he was able to use that money to open a brick and mortar. So then he already had clients. He already had working capital and he started with no debt. So to your point, customers is the most important thing, not equipment. Uh, The name of the podcast is Masters in Fitness Business Podcast. You can go to trainerjim.net. That's the homepage or look it up on Facebook. Trainer Jim as in J-I-M. J-I-M, yeah. Yeah. J-I-M. Trainer Jim as in jimadams.net. That's the webpage for the podcast. You can find all of them there. And then you can also go to our Facebook page, Masters in Fitness Business Podcast. Awesome, dude. Well, uh, just so everybody listening, thank you very much, Jim. This podcast uh, is sponsored, by the way, my podcast is sponsored by Membrant.io. Totally forgot to talk about my sponsor here. You know, you got to pay the bills. Absolutely. So, uh, our sponsor is Membrant. So what Membrant does, and Jimmy, actually, you might be interested in this. They build custom apps for your phone with your logo, your information, they just provide the back end work like a website so that you can have a private app that your clients download. And if you want to put on certain videos or your podcast or in your gym, if you want to do announcements and things like that, they'll have a branded app that has your logo on it, your information and all your stuff on their phone. Because let's be honest, if you want people to consume information now, it's got to be on their phone, right? Like websites are great, dot, dot, dot. If you can view them through the phone. And 
I'd love to see a graph, I always say, of how much content is consumed on the toilet versus anywhere else in your life. <laughs> True story. Yeah, but if you can be the number one source of information on the toilet, I think your business will do well. So check out membrant.io. They're actually building an app for me. So uh, pretty soon this podcast will be first released on the app and then a few days later everywhere else. But we're going to try and see like how we can kind of change that idea of engagement. Cause I think that's like the, where the future lies is engagement more than just information. Yeah, I, I agree. I will definitely check that out. That sounds yeah. intriguing. Awesome. All right. Well, Jim, uh, thank you very much. And I hope some folks uh, reach out to you. Can you share your email address real quick if they have any questions? Sure. It's trainer Jim again, J I M F E, um, as in fitness edge, dot com or i'm sorry at gmail so trainer jim fe at gmail.com fantastic well on behalf of jim adams this is josh saturday saying go out there don't screw it up maximize your license and live the life you dream of thanks a lot jim thanks to josh thanks for having me on this has been a blast hey 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 i hope you enjoyed that interview once again i would like to encourage you to go over to onbaseu.com and racketfit.com those are both sports-specific screening tools that will help you with your clients that play baseball for OnBaseU or tennis for RacketFit.com. And both those courses are now approved for 13 hours of continuing education each. So you can work on those two courses this year, and they are fantastic ways to get your continuing education done while getting involved in sports that you love. So check them out racketfit.com and on base you just on base the letter u.com see you there